and welcome to Foundations for Discipleship, episode 27. I'm Alan Brace with Pastor Tim Barr, and we're taking, walking through and talking through the Discipleship Guide, Foundations, Bible Truths for Christian Growth. Uh, our keen desire is to help those who are discipling others and to help those who are being discipled have a greater understanding of discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. Hello, Pastor Tim. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Alan? Oh, good. I think this may be just one of those podcasts that we actually have a chance to stay within uh, our allotted timeline. Seems unlikely um, to me, but you never know. <laughs> I got to ask you, I can see something that none of our listeners can. You have an Ireland shirt on. You're not a fan of Notre Dame, are you? No, I am not. Oh, good. This, is, uh, this has to do with soccer from old days. So soccer. it's soccer. When I had, or football, as they say in, in Europe, but... <laughs> Now this is a kids, you know, kids play soccer, that kind of thing. So not like a DC United or Barcelona fan then? No, not, and not so much anymore. I kind of lost track of all of that. This is, this is work clothes, you know? Yeah. Well, you live in America. We're supposed to lose track of that, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, in this episode, we're being beginning the last chapter of our training book and talking about evangelism. I think many people think discipleship is just evangelism, but there's really more to it than that. So give us a layman's explanation of evangelism, just so right. that we can set the, set the table here. I like to think of it as step one, step two. So step one is when we proclaim or declare the good news that Jesus died, buried, rose again, and that people can respond to that in saving faith. And at the moment that someone believes at that, I think I like to call it the punctiliar moment of salvation. There's our word. That, you love that. At that moment, we cease to be in an evangelism process. Um, and what we really do is we move to disciple making. And so that's the step one, step two. But I would even go so far as to say this. I still think that there that evangelism is part of disciple making because a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. But I, but I believe it's probably best to think of it in a step one, step two model. And, and sort of referring to the, what we call the great commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where you go and make disciples and then you teach, you, you baptize and then you teach. And so it's part of the, part of the process, the two-step process because discipleship uh, evangelism uh, making disciples and baptism are sort of a single step, really, right? Right. Well, yes. Um, you know, as we're going or having gone or in the, however you want to handle that participle, in, in the going process, we make disciples. And I think that's the primary um, command there. We make disciples. And, and how do we do it? I think you do it by bringing people to a point where they can publicly identify with the Trinity. Um, and so they are baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then there's the continuing process of them learning and growing. So in our book, we, uh, we, there are four, four things that they want to just make sure everybody's clear on that, that they have, um, that everybody is understanding, I guess, before they go out or, or as they go out and do evangelism. And I'm finding these on page 196 through uh, 198, I believe. Um, so the first one is the work of evangelism is proclaiming. So in other words, it's not a passive thing, right? It's, it, is that a good way to say that? It's, it's not a passive action or a passive item. It's something that you actually actively go do. 
Yeah, I think it also includes a message that's being delivered. Um, so we are actively in the process of communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of it, I lived through the era of the easy believism evangelism. I've lived through lifestyle evangelism. Um, and in those models, what they were teaching us is that fundamentally, as long as you lived a good life in front of the unbeliever, eventually that person's going to recognize it and want to become a Christian. And that's not the way it works. We actually have to proclaim a gospel good news message to people who do not understand and do not believe. We actually have to tell them. Well, I, I think Second Corinthians 5.20 actually uh, states that directly. It says, uh, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are we are commanded to do this. This is, you know, go out and, and be an ambassador for God, but be active about it. It's not a, like you said, a lifestyle evangelism or what have you. Yeah. Imagine the Chinese send over their ambassador to talk to the American ambassador and the Chinese ambassador just stands there quietly in the corner at the end of three hours, he leaves and the American ambassador says, well, what did he mean? And the Chinese ambassador says, I did such a good job. I, I, I was there. I didn't say anything, but, but my message was clear, right? And I think that's exactly the kind of ambassadors a lot of Christians are. They, they, they go, hey, I mow my grass, right, in, in my yard, and, and, I'm, and, and, my, and I'm, don't yell at my wife when anybody can hear. And, you know, and I try, you probably shouldn't do that at all, but, you know, and there, there's all of these things that they think they do publicly, and they assume that all the neighbors around are out of osmosis are going to go, hey, that person must be a born-again Christian. I want to be a born-again Christian, too. It doesn't work well, I think way. I think that's, you know, like you said, we were taught that for, for a long time. Which isn't to say those aren't important, that you are supposed to live what you believe and live what's inside of you. Uh, we've talked about that in stewardship. We've talked about that in many places in discipleship, but that isn't enough. We need to be vocal about it. Um, the other thing I think that we need to be careful of is that we need to make sure that we give the gospel message as a good thing. Uh, you know, oftentimes we'll, we'll hear people uh, evangelizing and all they do is say, you know, you are sinful, you're going to die, you're sinful, you're going to die. And really we also need to make sure that the facts of God's love and that he sent Christ to die on a cross as a way to have a relationship with Christ or with God, uh, needs to be included in that message. Yeah. I was down in Sedalia the, the other day and, um, they had a guy at a street corner, had one of those megaphones underneath his arm and had a little speaker, connect, you know, hand set connected to it. And, um, and he was yelling at everybody who had their windows up and the air conditioners were running. It was almost 100 degrees, but he was yelling away that everybody was going to burn in hell. And, um, and while I appreciated a certain sense that here was a man that was publicly taking time to declare the message of Christ. I, I felt like something was missing there. Well, a lot of things are missing there. Um, but one of them was that gentle relationship of coming alongside and saying, yeah, you are in a really bad mess, eternally destructive, no hope. Right. Except for God loved you <laughs> and he loved you so much. You can, you, you can respond to that hope now. Um, and I think that's maybe a better way to think of it. I, I also think that the other thing 
that we have to kind of look at maybe from a little bit different perspective is and it's almost a command to those of us who are who, who are called to evangelize is that god's desire is that all people would repent it's not just a few or or whatever but uh second peter i'm, I'm referring to second peter chapter three and verse nine where it says the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but is long suffering toward us and is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. We we need to use that as sort of a goad to keep moving on this, is that God is expecting people or would, would really desire that all people would come to him. Yeah, and let me quick do a little theology, because I always think it's important at these points. When we say this, that God does not desire that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, um, We God only has one will. But we envision it in three different ways, right? Um, God has his perfect will, um, his permissive will, and his sovereign will. This is God's perfect will. He, he wants and desires that everyone would turn from their sin. In his permissive will, he allows people to remain in their sin and even hardens them to it. Um, and in his sovereign will, he overcomes all of this so his glory is, is revealed. And I would just say what's interesting in this is that not just that God desires that everyone in the world would do this, but notice, what is it he desires that they do? Come to repentance. Yeah, that doesn't mean that they pray a prayer. It doesn't mean they think that God loves them. God desires that people would turn from their sin to him. <laughs> this is a radical life change. God desires it for every sinner. So there, it, God is not in the business of calling people to reforming just a few elements of life. God is in the business of calling all to radical life change based on the gospel. And it's more than just changing a few of your habits. At the end of the day, it's a heart change is yeah. what we're talking about here. Hey, so what know, are these? Hold on a second. For our listeners, yeah. when we say all, do we mean even like family members? Oh, absolutely. People work. Yeah. Anybody, everybody. So that's really important because it's important for us to, we sometimes have people that are like, well, I got this family member and I know if I talked about the gospel with them, we might lose our friendship. Things might fall apart. I think one thing that's really important for us to remember is God is calling all to repentance and we are the voice. Mm -hmm. we're the ones that God put in that person's life calling us to be the voice. And I think that sort of leads into uh, the next uh, idea that we, we should discuss, which is the motivation for evangelism. And, and one of them is just genuine compassion. So if you are really friends with this family member or friends with somebody outside of your family, and you're worried that you're going to lose your friendship, what is more important there, their soul and the eternity of their soul or your friendship, or chancing your friendship. And at the end of the day, we need to have compassion for these folks. Yeah, and I would totally agree. I'd even add one step more, and that is, while sin seems to have pleasure for just a very short season, what sin does is it destroys lives. And the more you get invested in the lives of people, the more you are going to see how much sin destroys. And I meet Christians sometimes, and they're like, I won't, don't want to be around anyone that's a sinner like that because, one, it might rub off on me, but two is that's just disgusting and I don't like it. That's not Christ. I think what we need to do is we need to look at people, see the brokenness, and reach into that brokenness with the gospel. Because that's really what's the only thing that heals that 
that kind of brokenness, people's lives that are broken and, and, and hardship, the gospel is the only thing that really can heal that. And I think the other, the other side of that is, though, we need to make sure that we don't stop evangelism. Evangelism really doesn't stop with making of the disciple. There are, there are a few steps that follow that, as we find in the Great Commission um, in, in Matthew 28, as we already mentioned. Yeah, well, uh, so my in-laws um, worked in the southern part of Mexico, and they would regularly share the gospel with people. The people would say, yeah, I believe all of that. And when it came time to get believers baptism, that's when the real test of their faith came. There were people that would get baptized, and in, in the local Catholic church, they would hold a funeral for the person that just got baptized, and they wouldn't even sell them. They just pretend they're dead, uh, you know. And I think sometimes what we forget there is our goal is to see true repentance and life change that results in people publicly identifying with Christ, no matter the cost, so that they commit to being lifelong learners and obeyers and doers of God's word. And if we evangelize someone, we lead them to, to Christ and uh, they go through the baptism uh, and public uh, public de declaration of their faith um we can't just stop there i mean our, our part of our duty is then to keep on with the discipleship part and teach them what god's word says and and bring them along uh from a biblical and spiritual standpoint as well so uh what are some of the obstacles to evangelism when you know we hear all the crazy things that you know oh we all have excuses i'm guessing um and i think we've been given some crutches by in the past 15 or 20 years, we have crutches that we use to avoid sticking our neck out and actually speaking the gospel and proclaiming the gospel, as we talked about a few minutes ago. Um, you know, what are some of the things that we, and how do we get around those? You know, the first one I love in the book is hypocrisy. I don't actually love the sin. I love that it was brought up because I, the verse that is connected to it is Matthew 5, 16. So let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Now, how may they see your good works? Only if you have them. Right. And I think the thing that's hurting the American church, especially the evangelical church in the Western world and climate we live in, the church has become so much like the world that we're, we keep telling them, hey, you need to repent and turn, like, turn from your sin, but we can't look at them and say, repent and turn from your sin, and you're going to see a life change like I have. Mm -hmm. What we have is people that are fat, infatuated by the world, infatuated and allured by the temptations of the world, and then we're, and they're supposed to be declaring a message that says you repent and turn from everything that we're seeing I mean, I think born-again Christians really struggling with a love for these things. So and if, if we have one foot in the gospel and one foot in the world, we will never proclaim a gospel of repentance. Well, we can't do it without uh, a seriously red face, and, and we, are called to, we are called to live a life of godliness. That We've covered that in, in previous podcasts. The other thing that uh, one of the things I – face myself and i'm sure many others do too is the fear of 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 sharing the gospel i know although i have to say the more you do it the uh the less fearful it becomes because you become more practiced perhaps on what you're going to say for me it's the fear of what am i going to say or has been the fear of what i'm going to say but i think 
going forward, uh, the more you do it, the more you get practiced at what you're going to say. And, but what are some of the other things that you can do to overcome fear? I mean, fear is a, is a real thing. Pray. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, so I, I, I remember having courses when I was in college where we went through all kinds of techniques so that you could present the gospel without letting fear drive you. And I don't think any of them work. I think two things help. One is pray. Second is know your Bible and theology really, really well. It, it, the more you know your scriptures, they just kind of come out of you. Mm-hmm. One of the things about the fear, and I guess it falls under the heading of fear, is how do you get that conversation started? If it is this something that you can do with a perfect stranger, or is this something that you do with somebody you know a little bit, or maybe a little bit more than a little bit? And and how do you really get that started? I you know I've heard of some real radical things that you can do if you're going to it's a complete stranger and you're trying to get their attention. But you know what are what does a guy do? I mean when when you do that. You know, I, honestly, I think if, if we are in our Bibles on a consistent basis, daily learning the Word of God, saturating ourselves with the Word, being in prayer, you'll find what happens is the Bible applies to every area of your life. So what you're going to end up doing is you're just going to be doing normal things, and you're just going to have Bible moments. And the people around you are going to say, why are you talking about God at this moment? And I, I think, and then your answer becomes, well, because I read this verse today and this really changed me. And here's how what God's the word of God could change you. Uh, you know, I think it was Spurgeon that I believe it was Spurgeon said um, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think right. It was this Spurgeon? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a, uh, it, it's, it's difficult. Um, and, and overcoming that or, or having a, perhaps a thought in mind, or like you say, if, if you are daily in the Bible, it's just going to ooze out of you, if, if no other way. Mm-hmm. Um, the book points out one that I, I guess I really hadn't thought about, but I guess it's really true and probably more so in this age of, uh, of uh, social media, and that is isolation from other people. We are isolate, we're isolating ourselves more and more. Um, how do we respond to that? I mean, the Bible talks about being intentional uh, of being with folks, but you know, how do we respond to that? Is, is this an intentional thing that we have to do um, to follow what Jesus did and be with the sinners and the, and the publicans? Yeah. I, the Christian bubble is probably the most dangerous um, temptation for someone that is um, really wrestling with an obligation for evangelism. Because it is so easy to say, now that I'm a Christian, all my friends are going to be Christians. Um, because the conversations go a little smoother. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, at work, you, it's easy to sit there and go, you know what? I, on lunch break, I'm just going to put in the headphones. I'm going to listen to a Christian podcast. And then I'm going to listen to Christian radio, right? You know, on the yep. way in, you know which station, exactly. right? Yeah, um, exactly. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, you have this kind of idea and. And everything is about the Christian bubble. Um, but the problem is that's not how Jesus lived. And most importantly, what we're doing is we're taking the light out of the world. And what we've done is put a basically a really hazy cover over top of the light because all the light does is talk to each other. Well, I think that and the other thing that is difficult, becoming more difficult, is I think, 
Christians, as you say, Christians are living in a bubble. They go to church, they hang out with church friends. They, you know, everything respond or revolves around that, uh, if you will. Um, but I also think that the world is also living in individual bubbles. They are isolating themselves more and more. And, you know, uh, the recent, uh, spate of illness that's going around, um, and I think that causes people to even be more isolated. So we really do need to be intentional about getting to know people and, and starting that friendship, starting that contact, starting that uh, the conversation about the gospel. You know, if you think in the techno world, right, everybody talks about the circles of influence and circles of friendship. And I believe it was Google that had circles. Um, and it, what has happened is this, the world has marketed to us that the people that we should have as friends are the people who are most like us. So people who shop in the same kind of stores we do, people who have similar entertainment issues, you know, interest in that. Um, and so it's so easy to have, uh, uh, if you would, all of your circles being almost like concentric and, and fitting right around you. But if we're going to really reach into the world, that means we have to bring unbelievers into our circle. And that's not just to hand them a gospel track and run. That's like bringing them into our lives and caring for them and hearing about the world and letting them know that we love them and we care for them. But more importantly, Jesus loves them and cares for them as well. I think an example of all of that is uh, sending children off to a university with 30 or 40,000 students. And after a year or so, you find out that their, their little circle of contact is 10 to 12 people. You know, there, there's nothing beyond that unless like unless, like you say, we have to go out and, and make it a make it a real priority. So well, there's the other the other um, excuse, though, is that it's a private matter. Leave me alone. I should leave them alone. Yeah. You never talk in dinner about religion. You never talk about politics and you never talk about money. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's so easy in our culture to say, I'm never going to talk about this because people disagree and it's a private thing. Uh, but I think we got to remind ourselves, we are ambassadors for Christ, calling people to reconcile with God. Mm -hmm. And we do that through the gospel. That means we need to lay aside the cultural assumptions about um, religious conversation and be really honest and say, we have a divinely revealed responsibility here. Well, I think that's where we'll stop for this episode of the podcast. Um, Next time we'll pick it pick it up uh, and discuss more of our what our book talks about with evangelism and uh, uh, methods of evangelism and and uh, motivations and so forth and we'll do that uh, the next time we get together. In the meantime, uh, we encourage you to get involved with memory verses uh, in your book and and uh, other parts of the Bible. Don't just stop with the two or three per lesson, but uh, uh, go into get into the Bible and start uh, memorizing. We ask that you uh, spend considered time on uh, praying for mentorees, those those whom you are discipling. Also pray for those who are discipling others, those that you know about. And so we thank you for joining us on this episode of Foundations for Discipleship. Uh, we trust that you will be encouraged to be active in presenting the gospel um, and, and making disciples. Uh, join us next time as we complete this chapter on evangelism. And until then, for Pastor Tim, I'm Alan. So long. Mm -hmm.